It was actually 10 years ago I went to Okupas College. I went in 2012, and so next year's going to be 2022. And so it would have been 10 years coming up this summer that I'll be getting ready to go to Okupas College, which means it was nine years ago that I started pursuing my wife uh, about this time. We waited until college was over, and uh, it was nine years ago I started the pursuit and uh, the downfall, though, for me kind of pursuing Leela is I kind of started on the back foot. Uh, she did have a short list, but a list of things she wanted in a man. Uh, she wanted them to love God. I did that. That was more about God, less about me. So that was a bit of an easy one to tick off. And the other things, I was started on the back foot because, A, I was the wrong ethnicity. Uh, I was not the desired ethnicity, and God had not blessed me with the right talents, all right? God had given me other gifts. She desired somebody with the creative gifts. I have creative problem solving. That's about as good as we get. So I kind of started on the back foot. I was, I was not, I guess, the desired package from the outside. Uh, she just, just started to discover that I was the desired package on the inside. Uh, there we go. Bit of Christmas romance for you. But it was about nine years ago. What I did have, I didn't have a lot of the things she did want, but what I did have is I had about two dates worth of good jokes. And uh, so I spread them out, used them wisely across about four dates. And it was over summer, nine years ago, we started dating. And uh, we actually, one night, we're in, the, we're in a restaurant in town here, and um, we're, we're sitting down at the table. And, and like I said, I had two dates worth of half-decent jokes. And so we're sitting at the table laughing. Uh, and uh, just having a good time, and the waiter walks over. He, uh, I'm sitting there laughing, and then I look up and catch him in the corner of the room with my eyes while I'm laughing, and so he walks over to the table and walks up to the table. Now, I don't know what kind of day he had. I don't know what was going on in his world. I don't know what somebody had said to him prior to this interaction, but he walks up to the table. I've never had this kind of awkward interaction before at a, at a, cafe, uh, at a restaurant before, but he walks up to the table and goes, excuse me, are you laughing at me? And in my mind, I was like, no, but I, I will be. But, <laughs> but he walks up to me and goes, are you laughing at me? And I was like, no. <laughs> Sorry, man. Like, I'm not. And, and, but this, this, and then he was like, there this, was this real awkward silence. And I'm like, oh, I hope you're having a great day, man. And <laughs> But it was this awkward interaction because he's sitting in the corner of the room, sees two people laughing, and something in his mind projected the idea they must be laughing at me. We've all had those moments in life, the way you walk in a room, the room goes quiet, and it's like, oh, they must have been talking about me. It's like, no, you just kind of came in the break of the conversation. But there's that moment in life where we often, at different times, will start to project ideas onto other people. We walk into spaces, environments, because of what's going on in our internal world. No one else even knows what's going on in our internal world. But because of what's going on internally, all of a sudden we start projecting onto other people because of what's going on internally for us. This waiter, obviously something had happened. Someone had said something. I don't know if the barber did something wrong in his head. Someone had said something that made him think, people must be laughing at me. So all of a sudden, he's looking across a room full of people that nobody knows who he is, and he comes up with the idea that everyone here is laughing at me. And so often we do that in life with other people, but I've even found I do that with God. I, I don't only project what I think other people are thinking about me. I also project at times what I think God's thinking about me. 
I make a mistake, God must be disappointed in me. I'm not doing things quite the way I miss the devotions. I'm three days behind on my Bible app. God mustn't be pleased with me. The other, other thing is we also do it the other way. Like I'm on streak 186 in the Bible app, and man, God must be proud of me. We project onto God our ideas. What do we do? We take what's going on in our world and in our mind, and we start projecting onto others, and we start projecting on, out of what's going on in our life, we start to create a reality that that's often, more often than not, not true. But because of what's going on in your world, you start projecting something. Like, for example, if we all just close our eyes, if you're watching at home, close your eyes too. And, and say if I just say a word like, think of a dog. <laughs> Kathy's thinking of Mac. Think of a dog. And now think of a big dog, a small dog, an angry dog. And now open your eyes. All I've said is a few words, but in your mind, each and every person in this room has created a different dog. Who saw like the same dog just morphing into three different sizes? Who saw like three totally different dogs? Anyone see like Snoop Dogg? Because that's a totally different problem to deal with. But in your mind, all I've done is given you some words, but because of the dogs you've seen in, in your life, in your upbringing, the dogs you've come across, you now project your idea of what a dog looks like. All of us slightly have a different kind of dog, but you, you start projecting, you start creating in your mind an idea based off some words. And this is what was happening, I guess, what people were struggling with when Jesus came onto this earth, when Jesus walked through, uh, walked through humanity for for 30 odd years is because Jesus turned up into a, a culture that understood the words like salvation, but just didn't understand them the way God meant them to. They knew the idea of salvation, but they got so angry at Jesus because the way Jesus presented salvation was a lot different to the idea they had built about salvation in their mind. That's why people like the rich young ruler in the Bible turn up to Jesus and leave disappointed because he turns up projecting, hey, I've done everything right, so I must be right. And Jesus is kind of like, I don't really care what you've done. I care about where your heart is. And he leaves disappointed. Why? Because in, in, in his heart and in, in where he's at, he said, my, my position with God is dependent on my behavior. And that's what they believed at the time. And that's often what we still believe in this time, is that my position with God is often determined by my behavior. And Jesus would turn up and mess everything up and say, no, you're freely forgiven. Salvation is for all people. And these are words, forgiveness they understood, but they just didn't understand it in the way God meant it. They thought, forgiveness, I earned it. Forgiveness, I had to give, so I had to do something to receive it. And Jesus like, no, just freely receive and what Jesus is doing is he's frustrating their mind because they have projected an idea of God that wasn't truly God. And they're not actually trying to live out what God's asking them for. They're living out what they thought God had asked them for. The problem is Jesus shows up on the scene and just messes the whole thing up. And that's often what, what, what we th- they, they thought that, that God was for good people. Good people were favorable with God. And Jesus is like, yeah, no, I like good people. 
I also like those you consider not good people. And there's this moment, and I just want to briefly, just for a couple minutes, look at a few interactions where, where Jesus went to the people they didn't consider worthy of going to. There's this moment in Scripture where, where you'd, you'd see, uh, a lot of us will know the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a tax collector. Just to catch up, those, for those who don't know, tax collectors were kind of disowned or, or as Jewish people. They were Jewish people that worked for the Romans, so they're disowned as Jewish people. They were outcasts. They were pushed aside. They were not liked and not actually considered true Jews anymore. And so Jesus one day ends up through a series of circumstances. Uh, he ends up in Zacchaeus's house, a tax collector. So he ends up in the house of this man. And, 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 and it talks about in Luke 19 verse 7, as Jesus was walking to Zacchaeus's house, it says, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. Out of all the people Jesus, a rabbi, could have chosen to be with, he chose to go to the house of a sinner. Then people would look around and say, what kind of rabbi is Jesus? If, if Jesus was a true rabbi, he knows God likes good people, so he should be going to the house of the good people. But what they didn't realize is God loves all people, and so he was going to the house that was willing to have him that was willing to be open to him. And so he walks into Zacchaeus' house while people are muttering, look at him going to the house of the sinner. We would not say that today because we've become better in our language. As we would not go, look at that, hanging out with sinners. We, we look at people and go, man, they're far from God. A lot of people, we would have looked at Zacchaeus and gone, man, Zacchaeus is far from God. Well, the truth is Zacchaeus was one lunch away from God. He was one meal away from salvation. We thought he was far because of his behavior. We analyzed his behavior and go, man, he is distant from God. But who knows, salvation isn't dependent on behavior. So he isn't far from God at all. He's just one meal away from Jesus. I don't know who in your world you're believing for, but I want to say this, they're not far from God. Come on, the one meal, the one conversation, the one moment from Jesus. Their salvation isn't based on their behavior. One moment away from Jesus. And Jesus has this moment, for those who know the story, it talks about how Zacchaeus stood up in front of the Lord and it says, Lord, here I now give half of my possessions to the poor and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay them back four times the amount. Jesus then says, today salvation has come to your house because this man too is a son of Abraham. That statement there would have rattled, would have rattled the Jews. How dare you call this tax collector a son of Abraham? He is discounted as a Jew. He is no longer a Jew. He is not Jews, are God's people. And God's people are the sons of Abraham. And Jesus turns up and says, no, you thought his behavior discounted him. Well, the reality is your behavior discounts you all, all right? But today, because of what's happened here with me, you are now a son of Abraham. A son of Abraham. Some, and, and what would have made them so angry about it? It's because all of these people were striving their whole lives to live up to a standard to be called a son of Abraham. Jesus just throws it out. And that's a tiring way to do Christianity. You'll get tired of Christianity. You ever come to this moment where you're just like, Christianity is hard. It's because you're doing it wrong. 
Yeah, temptation sometimes is hard, but salvation's easy. Yeah, trying to live out the, the life and the character that God desires for me to is hard, but my salvation's easy. My forgiveness is easy. It's a matter of receiving. And sometimes we muddle those two things, trying to live out the life God's called you versus your salvation. And so when we're not living out the life we thought God was calling, it causes us to question our standing with God. They're two completely different things. It's salvation in his heart that came through. He is a son of Abraham. What other people had discarded, Jesus in that moment says, no, you're a son of Abraham. Come on, you gotta, you got to tell yourself, remind yourself. Come on, this Christmas time, what are we celebrating? The fact we are now sons and daughters of Abraham. Not because we deserve it, but because we had a meal with Jesus. And so you have this moment where Zacchaeus goes through this. And then you have this moment earlier on in Scripture when even people said that about some of the apostles and disciples themselves. In Mark 2 verse 16 is when we find the, the, the story just after Jesus had called Levi. Levi, again, was another tax collector who goes on to be Matthew, one of the disciples, and he calls Matthew to him. And then later on, he goes and has a meal with Matthew in Mark 2, verse 16. It says, when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw this man eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked, why does he eat with the tax collectors and the sinners? Because God is for good people. Because God is for good people. And the, the, the apostles, the disciples themselves received the salvation. They stood and were being accused of being sinners, and Jesus stood in the gap and said, no, these are my children. These are my people. People had projected ideas of what God would have thought about them. God mustn't like them. God mustn't be proud of them. God mustn't love them. And Jesus turns up and says, no, I love them. And the disciples themselves were accused of being sinners, and Jesus stood there and said, no, these are my sons. They might be sinners, but salvation comes to them. But then what amazes me in the book of Acts, as the disciples, as Jesus is gone, he's resurrected. In the book of Acts, you find the apostles, the same group of people who'd been accused of being sinners, but God said, I don't care what you call them. I call them sons, my people. They're those people find themselves in a moment where Peter, a Jew, has this dream that actually the gospel's for all people and I need to take it to the Gentiles, the people that aren't considered sons of Abraham. So I need to take it to the Gentiles. So Peter goes into the house of the Gentiles. They call them the uncircumcised. Go into their house and he sat with them and he led them in salvation and, and salvation came to their household. And there's this moment where the Holy Spirit falls on them. Why? Because salvation's for all people. The apostles knew that. Jesus stood on their behalf. But then you find this moment in Acts 11 after Peter has this moment where he realizes, well, if it's for the sinning Jews, it must be for all people as well. And then in Acts 11, verse 13, the word of what Peter had done had gotten out. And it says, The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that Gentiles had also received the word of God. 
So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, they, the, the, the believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of the uncircumcised and ate with them. It's amazing. That here you find now another, the, the same group, now accusing another group. Well, you're not, you're sinners. Jesus stood for them in the gap and said, Salvation's for everyone, salvation's for you. And then later on, you find them in this other place where now they had started projecting ideas back on God. They had gotten it wrong again. Why? Because the past comes up. Old ways of thinking comes up. Old habit comes up. My upbringing comes up. And all of a sudden, what I understood here has now become quite cloudy over here. And when I understood that salvation was for all people, now I'm starting to understand, actually, what do you have to do to be saved again? And that's kind of happens in people's journey with God. You have this moment of salvation. And then you start doing the good works of the Lord. And then all of a sudden, things start to get muddy again. And when it was so easy to connect with God in one moment, now it's a little harder. Why? Because your actions aren't what you thought they were going to be. You're not as good as you thought you were. And now you've started to muddy. Well, maybe God doesn't think the same about me anymore. Maybe God doesn't love me the same way anymore. But you've got to understand, they started to project their own ideas back on and start judging where God could move and where God couldn't move. What was right for people and what was wrong for people. But then Peter hypes up and says, no, if the Holy Spirit's on it, it's of God. And the reason I wanted to share that tonight is because I'd say, because I know it's true in my life, over the four months of isolation and lockdown, we come up with some stupid thoughts. Isolation isn't good. It only took them 11 chapters without Jesus to start coming up with some silly ideas about salvation. But it's as they got together and debated and talked, they came back to the understanding, well, salvation's for everyone. Yeah. I want to say for some of you over lockdown, some of your thoughts about God, about what God thinks about you, they've gone a bit skewed. But that's the beauty of church. It's the beauty of e-group. And it's the beauty of worship. Because worship has a way of just reminding you Come on, He is a loving God. Come on, He is a God that is for you. He is a God that is with you. Come on, what you've disregarded, come on, God's still for you. Whatever's gone on, come on, God is with you. When you think about your future and you project all your fears, don't worry because God's got you. Come on, He's holding you.